Welcome to the Sleep Like a Boss podcast. If you're struggling with sleep and have tried everything that Google, your friends or Facebook groups have recommended and you're still struggling, stop looking for that one thing to fix your sleep. The human body is complex and one single supplement or lifestyle fix is likely not going to be the solution. Here on the Sleep Like a Boss podcast, we dig into all aspects of sleep for you and unravel the complexity. My name is Anika Carroll. I'm the new CEO of Sleep Like a Boss, and me and my team are here to end the epidemic of sleep deprivation. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Sleep Like a Boss podcast. I am super excited about our guest this week. It's Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Um, It's an absolute pleasure. And we're going to talk about a very interesting topic today. um, And that is the concept of rest versus the concept of sleep. Because I know a lot of you struggle with sleep or with low energy or burnout. And I think Dr. Sandra has done amazing research in that field. And let me give a quick introduction and then we'll get right into the topic. So she is a board certified physician. She is a best-selling author and she has a company that is called Restoracis. And with that, you help employers basically understand how to create a work environment and a work-life environment for the employees to avoid things like overwhelm and burnout and just have companies work more efficiently, more effectively, just better. And all of us who are employing those companies to feel better, which I think is amazing. And you have been featured in, yeah, I would say the really big outlets. You've done TED Talk, you've been in Psychology uh, Today, you've been on MSNBC, you've been everywhere. Um, and your book, I think that is the the biggest, um, your best seller that you really have of the many that you wrote is called Sacred Rest. And I'm going to have to read the subtitle, Recover Your Life, Renew Your Energy, Restore Your Sanity. And that is really what we're going to dive into today, into that topic of rest, because I think it's so important. And I see it with a lot of my clients that even though we're struggling with sleep, and that concept of rest kind of hasn't really um been I would say well understood and people don't embrace it necessarily and I think there is a lot of reasons for that and maybe we'll dive into that but um, maybe let's get started so what is rest for you and and how did you even get into the idea that people should rest more Yeah, well, it started really just with my own burnout situation. So I'm an internal medicine physician in clinical practice for over 20 years. And about five years into clinical practice, my husband and I started to have our family. And so when kids got added to the mix, things got a lot more complicated. And I found it much harder to have any type of work-life integration. And it was during that time that, you know, I, I was exhausted. And so I thought, okay, well, if I'm exhausted, I apparently just need more sleep or higher quality sleep. And being someone in the medical profession, I was able to do tests to see what what all of my levels were to to check and see how well my sleep was performing, or, or at least as it can be recorded, how well it was performing. And I was getting high quality sleep, I was getting appropriate numbers of hours. I mean, I was very intentional about seeing if that's what the issue was. And that wasn't solving the problem, I was still exhausted. 
And I feel like that's when I begin to have this thought that there's something else that's exhausted. There's something else that's depleted inside of me. And it doesn't have to do with sleep as I've been trying to get it. It doesn't have to do with my thyroid, my cortisol levels. It didn't have to do with any of that because all of those things were checked. Um, and I really started to just look back at my day and started evaluating where am I using energy? And that's when the process began because I started looking at, okay, I'm using energy, discussing cancers with patients while they're crying in front of me and I'm having to keep myself together. I'm using energy when I'm having to hear the sounds of ventilators in the ICU and the bright lights and the smells and all the things. And so, you know, I'm using energy in so many different ways that I, I didn't have an avenue to replete. And that's where these different areas of, of rest deficit, as I call them, came up. And if you can be deficient in an area, then that means that's an area that can also be restored. Which is great, right? That's the that's the most important thing. And how did you then come up with, because there's seven types of rest that you've identified. Mm-hmm. And we can dive into them in a minute, but how did you then dive into this and, and how did these seven ones come up for you? Well, there were initially way more than seven because I started writing down everything that was depleting. And I and I really just took it back to the literature just to see where have people been talking about um, exhaustion and different areas that could be exhausted. So a couple popped up immediately, obviously, physical, mental, spiritual. These are areas that were being pretty well researched. And then some others were being grouped into that that I didn't feel like needed to be grouped together. There was enough specificity to the ways that you got depleted in that area that were not the same as the ways you got depleted in other areas. For example, mental. Mental was incorporate was like including everything having to do with intellect as well as everything having to do with emotions. And those are two different areas even of your brain that's being used. So they need to be restored in different ways. They're used in different ways. They need to be restored in different ways. So that's where emotional rest came from, separate from mental rest as it relates to concentration, clarity, and those things. Um, The other one was sensory rest. Well, sensory is through your nervous system, but it's not just focused on your brain. It's focused on every nerve in every part of your body, and all of them can be depleted depending on what's going on in your situation. For example, a mom who has little ones touching her all day because she is, you know, she's a mom, so she's picking them up, she's hugging them, she's doing all the things. Well, when her husband comes and wants to hug her or touch her in a different way, she could already be sensory overwhelmed because of the little hands that have touched her all day. These were, and, and, I, and I knew that well, because I was a, a mom with little ones when all this was going on. So there were areas that we were lumping over into things that I just felt like they, they, they have a big enough impact on our life that we need to look at them separately and started really just testing this out ground level with patients. I was actively in practice. So I had plenty of, plenty of people who were coming saying, I'm tired. And nothing's wrong with me, you know, no doctors finding anything wrong with me. And so testing out some of the different ones that, um, that were popping up that I was seeing coming out of research or lumped into other parts of research. And I think the one that was um, the most, the two, I think that were the most surprising sometimes for people were creative rest, because it was not defined 
but it was discussed in so many different ways. How people talked about foresting helped them feel more energized, mm -hmm. or people talked about spending time at the water made them feel more energized, but nobody put a label on it. They, it, it was almost as if it was this mystical thing that didn't have its own compartment. And so that's where creative rest came from. Um, and then the last was social rest, which we all know that people can be draining. And so I, I feel like that needed its own category as well to so that we are evaluating our relationships and whether or not they are pulling from our social energy or if they're life-giving and they're pouring back into us. So these types of rests, if I understand that correctly, and just picking the social example as the last one, but they can go both ways, right? I can overdo it or I can have toxic relationships or things where the social component is just draining. But I could also be just thinking about the pandemic being isolated more than I was before and actually lacking the connection. And so that could also be draining my energy. Like, could it go both ways? Yeah, it's whatever's draining your energy. So there's no parameters because we all get drained in different ways because we're individuals. So there's no parameters on what drains you. It's your perception of it. What do you feel is draining you? What are the, the activities, the places in your life where you're expending energy? Because for a teacher, she may be expending energy, um, creating lesson plans. So she's using creative energy there. Whereas as a physician, I'm using creative energy when I'm diagnosing people. I'm taking all their symptoms and whirling them around in my head to come up with a diagnosis. So we're all using energy, but we have to, for, based on our own lifestyles, our careers, what we do and how we expend our energy, that's what we have to evaluate. Okay. And let's just quickly name the seven again. So we are, everybody's on the same page. Okay. Um, it's physical, mental, spiritual emotional, social, sensory, and creative. Great. And do you see a difference in men and women? Like, is there, are there some way you would say these are classic for men to be deficient in, or these are classic for women to, to be deficient in? Or have the, there are some slight differences, but but honestly, across the board, everybody tends to be high in mental rest deficits. Um, women sometimes tend to then their second or first, maybe emotional rest. So mental and emotional sometimes will kind of play who's on top, who's on bottom, um, but depending on the sexes. But what I'm finding more is it tends to be more specific to, to careers. Okay. Um, people in tech tend to have a high amount of creative rest deficit mm -hmm. um, because they're very, often very intellectual, very mechanical. So things like the benefit of beauty and art and nature sometimes is lost <laughs> because of just personality and taste and things. Um, and so, you know, I find that that's more of a, of an issue. Nurses, people who work in, um, who work with the public on, on a high amount who they're, they're involved with people, they're relational, tend to have a high amount of emotional rest deficit in part because of professional mm -hmm. emotional labor, their job requires. Um, so, so really tend, I tend to see that more than I do related to a specific um, sex. Oh, but this is really interesting and it does make sense. And I'm, I'm just going to pick myself here because I, I did the test and we'll talk about the test in a second where people can find that. Um, and creative rest is one of mine that's 
that I have a deficit in, which on the one hand, you know, I'm not surprised because I'm more the analytical structural process type person. But I'm also somebody who, to be creative, like sometimes to create content or something, I know I need a ton of free space, like in my mind, because I always consider myself not being creative. And then that sometimes scares me almost a little if somebody says, oh, look into your creative rest. But it doesn't, it's not even meant that way, right? Like creative rest can be, doesn't mean I have to pick up a pencil and start drawing things, right? It no, doesn't that's actually be the opposite. Of creative. Oh, okay. Rest. Okay, there we <laughs> that's go. Creative okay. work. You're putting a demand on your ability to create. So, so <laughs> picking up a pencil, going to an art class, doing a pottery class, those are all great things you can do. They're actually emotional rest and not creative rest. We can get in that in a minute, but it's actually putting a demand on your ability to create. So it can't be rest if it's demanding you to perform. And so creative rest is appreciating what's already been created. So whether that's nature. Um, whether that's art that you go and you view okay. someone else's mm -hmm. art, mm -hmm. or you're listening to someone else's music, or you're reading poetry or reading a novel or going to the theater or going to movie, you are creating beauty that is already in front of you. You're pausing, you're taking a moment to reflect on the beauty that's in front of you and allowing it to awaken awe, wonder, inspiration inside of you. That's creative rest. When you go to an art class or you go to a pottery class or you sit down and you try to pen a poem, that's usually more creative. That's usually more emotional rest because you're allowing what's inside of you, your emotions, your feelings, your whatever it is to come out in some creative form. And so people who have a difficult time with emotional rest and they say, well, I don't have a friend I can share my deepest thoughts with, or I don't have a counselor or therapist. Sometimes they can benefit from the emotional rest of letting themselves just be very real and authentic in through creation. And so they write a poem or they write in their journal or, or some other form of release, but it's still creative work. And I think that's the thing where most people have to understand you can be and, and the benefit of separating these things out, you can be working in one of the seven areas while resting in the other. If a jogger is out jogging, and maybe this is what I find with a lot of tech people, if they're out jogging, and they say, you know, I just feel so rested after I get back from a jog, there's nothing restful about a jog. However, people in tech are also the same people who tend to have 20, 20 windows open on their computer at any given time. So their brain is consistently multitasking. When they're jogging, they're allowing their brain to practice mindfulness, even if they don't believe in meditation, because they're focusing their thoughts down on their breathing and their cadence. And by doing so, it's almost like a forced mental rest. And they're not even trying to get mental rest. It's just the body demands that they focus their attention in order to keep the process of jogging intact. And so we have to look at not just what activity are we doing, but what gets restored in some of the activities, especially when there's something where we step out of it and we're like, something about that makes me feel better. Go deeper into that. Don't just kind of wash over it. Go deeper into what got restored in those moments, because that's the rest that you're likely needing. Yes. And I think that's such an important point, this lean into it and assess oh, I'm feeling better. What did I just do? Or what did I just not do? Right? That I think you're so right. That is something um, 
I was discussing that with somebody else the other day in terms of intuition, like there's all this technology around there's all these trackers and everything. We're kind of outsourcing our intuition a little and our ability to just listen and feel and explore why that is good. Maybe why your heart rate variability went down or why something happened, right? Because, um, yeah, I think we're kind of losing that and it's so important. And why do you think we struggle with rest so much? Is it, is it still, is it hustle culture? Is it resting as laziness? I think it's a lot of that. I think there's a lot of mentality around rest as being giving up something. We see rest as a lesser activity. And so if I'm, if I'm resting, then I'm not accomplishing, I'm not doing, I'm not producing, you know, it is this withdrawal feeling as if mm -hmm. something is, you know, getting left out. However, if we flip the, the mindset of that, and we start thinking of rest as additive, as it adds to my energy, it adds to my ability to be productive and effective, it adds to my ability to sustain whatever lifestyle or career you're trying to do. It, it puts a positive spin on it rather than a negative spin, which is where we have had it for the past, you know, couple of decades. Rest is the thing you do when you have time. Nobody has time. So it never gets done. Or we think we're going to just do it on our vacations. But if you're only resting, you know, two, three times a year, what's the rest of your life looks like? And is it a life you really enjoy living? You can't sustain a, a life that is happy and productive and energized if you're only getting restored a few times a year. You're basically shuffling between moments of joy and long periods of burnout and fatigue. And so we have to look at how can we incorporate rest in a way that's restorative and that's sustainable. And I think that's where, you know, understanding specifically what are some of the small things that I can do that don't take a lot of time, that make me feel better, that pour back into those different rest deficit areas, and that I can sometimes even make habitual, habitually add them as a part of my day so I don't even have to think about how to get that type of rest. It just becomes a part of my daily activities. Yes, and I think if you do that, with the small steps and making it a habit. Yeah, then it will just become easy, right? We're not thinking of, it doesn't cause us stress <laughs> to even wanting to do it because it's just, we've we've experienced the benefit and we're seeing that it works. And I think like you said, starting small to not overwhelm us right away and then have the frustration and the inability to be consistent with it is probably a big step. So if somebody like, and I'm just picking an example now, like a busy mom, working, kids, family, and she really feels depleted. She's not doing well with her sleep, with her energy, burning out. Um, what would be something like, what would be something small that she could incorporate in her day to, to see how she could get her energy back? Yeah. So let's say she is experiencing a, a sensory rest deficit. Maybe she maybe she works from home and, you know, the kids are um, homeschooled and she hears kids and noise and stuff, or you know, all day long. Or even if she worked at an office and maybe is hearing like the um, dinging of phones, ringing of phones or the elevator or something, you know, having maybe even 30 minutes in the day where you just can't go into sensory deprivation, you could use noise cancellation earphones or earbuds or something, pop them in for 30 minutes, you know, especially if the kids are at age where they are, 
you know, homeschooling, they can sit for 30 minutes and do an activity. You zone out the noise. You give your most, your body a moment of sensory reprieve where it's not being, you know, having to filter all of that extra information. Because, you know, even when we say we are, are we've tuned out something, your brain has to process something for it to be tuned out. And so it's very easy to become sensory overwhelmed when your body's doing this you know, hours on end throughout the day. So that's a simple one there. If someone is, and that same mom might be juggling schedules. So she's using creative energy, even if she doesn't think she is, because to get someone to soccer and to piano lessons within the same hour, and they're, you know, the, the drive is almost an hour apart, you're going to have to be creative. And so thinking about creative energy, that could be as simple as putting a image on her computer of a place that makes her happy. You know, it might be the place where she got married. Maybe it's Hawaii or, or whatever. Bringing flowers in. If you're someone who greenery and out and, and the outdoors makes you have a peaceful feeling, bring in some plants, have them in your home so that or in your workstation so that without having to think about, I need creative rest, you surround yourself with creative rest elements. Um, have a have an accent wall in your home. That's a nautical theme that has the colors of the ocean and seashells. Uh, we have to think a little bit outside of the box in how our body responds to different situations and things. And then what can you do to bring that internally to your space so that you don't have to keep thinking about it. It's already in place for you. Yeah. And it's, it makes so much sense. And I'm just thinking about that because I'm somebody, I really recover well in nature. Like that's my thing. Like, and I think the sensory has a lot, like sensory overload has a lot to do with it. Um, yeah. But just bringing that in is so, so true that you're, you know, sometimes we're like, Oh, I, but I want the, living room to be to look like that because that's what's trendy right now and that is what I what optically looks nice but yeah bringing more green in and bringing more I totally agree with you also with like pictures from favorite places and stuff it's just so soothing and calming especially your workplace yeah because we spend most of our hours in one or two areas for most of us either our, our home office or work office or some some variation of that if you're working and so, you know, if you're spending 40, 30, 40 hours in a place, that place needs to be restorative because otherwise you're going to lose opportunity just because you discount that location. Yeah, it's, I'm so, I'm actually just thinking about something. I'm, I have a background in human resources. I used to work in, in corporate human resources for 15 years, and we once had the opportunity to redesign our office. Like it was a total re- And the one thing we did, but just, we just offered it to people, but we had no thought behind it. But now that you're saying it, we said to everybody, they were allowed to put up really big canvases of pictures because we had massive free space on the walls. And we asked everybody to bring their favorite picture that would be okay in public. Like, and for a lot of people that was, it was the trip to Australia. It was um, the Bermudas diving experience. It was like all those kinds of things came up. Yeah. And people were super happy to have them there. And I never actually connected that, but yeah. Well, I think those memories, you know, especially when it's a location, it it takes you there for Mm -hmm. a moment. You know, when you look at it, you get the, you, you remember the feelings of when you were in that or whatever that situation does to you. Yeah. Great. And how, um, 
how would being a rested person, do you think, or let me phrase it that way, do you think being more rested during the day helps people sleep better? Oh, absolutely. I feel rest is the bridge to sleep. I think too often we think sleep is like the switch we can flip and just go from our day hours to our sleeping hours, you know, but to get to those deeper levels of non-rim sleep, you're going to need to have a body that has, that has entered some level of rest. And so I think it's important. It's great to have a sleep routine. You know, I think it's great to have some things you do to prepare your body as you go into the evening. But I think the more well rested you are before you even get to the evening, the better your sleep quality is going to be. You're going to be able to to enter into sleep a lot faster. I I totally agree. And I often see it in clients and also in myself that I have a like a I wouldn't say super strict sleep routine, but like a wind down routine. And a lot of clients who even struggle with sleep have that too. But it's sometimes if you do things during the day that were just different, you know, yes, you went to the, the zoo with your kids and did that, or you went to a concert in a park or something and you come home and you have the best sleep to me and you might have even skipped your bedtime routine because that concert in the park just went on quite long and there just wasn't any more time for your mind down routine but you're actually sleeping well and I think it's really that right like what for one it's also I think new input sometimes that the brain has something new that experiences but also this yeah you've worked on those deficits and you've balanced the body. I think that's basically what it is, right? You kind of, you balance the body out more. So it's overall more relaxed and it can just enter that state of I'm safe. I'm good. I can fall asleep. Um, just yeah, I think those are great examples because, you know, you mentioned if you're out in the park, if you're someone who needs that creative rest and nature adds to it, then being out through the park or out at the pier, you know, listening to a concert or out on the boat fishing or whatever that thing is, you may not have thought much about it. You were doing, you know, whatever the, the activity of the weekend was, but it could have been that you actually went to the place where you actually needed rest where you actually had the rest deficit you know a lot of us one of the big things that came up with social rest is that people spend more time with people who are needing them you know pulling from their social energy than they do with friends who they just enjoy being around you know who are life-giving and are are affirmative and pouring back into them so sometimes when you go and you you hang out with friends and it, it could be completely exhausting activity that you're doing it's the friends that you really had the, de the deficit, you really had the depletion. And so just getting out and making time and space for those things, um, do they do, as you mentioned, they balance you out, so to speak, they get you back into a place where your, your rest deficits start getting restored. And, and at that point, your body has, it's almost like your body's able to take a breath and go, okay, this is what it's supposed to feel like to be rested. Yeah. And do you see with everything having shifted to the online world? Well, already years ago, but I think the pandemic time put like an extra a little bit on that is social rest, partially because of that something that we all kind of want to maybe keep a bit an eye out on for ourselves. Social rest. Is that what you stated? I can't yeah. hear the last part. Yes. Social um, rest. So actually actively, but actually actively, or is it that an emotional rest? If I say like actively seeking connection, human connection, not Zoom and texting and social media platforms. 
Yeah. You know, I think that in part depends on the person. Um, I find that extroverts have a huge need for more social interaction and social rest than people who are introverted. Both of them need people in their lives. So don't get me wrong. But I, I find that those who have a more extroverted type tendency tend to need higher levels of social rest. They 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 really thrive off of people energy. Mm-hmm. And so it's very distressing for them when they have when they don't have that interaction. Now, you can experience social rest virtually, but the thing is it's it's much harder to do. It's you know, if we're at a networking event, it's a lot easier for me to catch you at the coffee, you know, or while I'm getting a tea and start up a chat and find out we have some commonalities and then off we go, you know, and sit at a table together. You can't really do that on Zoom. Even if it's a networking event on Zoom, (laughs) you know, it's hard to make that kind of connections. And so I think that's the the hard part of, of the whole pandemic and virtual aspect. And unfortunately, it gave introverts uh, an even greater reason to withdraw from people. And so if you already don't like networking, because some people I said networking, they cringed immediately because they don't like going to those kind of events. Um, So if that's your personality, then Zoom was fantastic because you could be anonymous and it was okay. Yeah, that's true. That's really true. Um, Where can people find out what they should or how can people find out what their rest deficits are? Well, we have an assessment that we um, provide for free. It's at restquiz.com. And it takes about 10 minutes or so, depends on if you don't overly think the questions, it's supposed to be quick answers, shouldn't take much longer than 10 minutes, but it is a full assessment. And it gives you a score in all of the seven areas to help you have some direction on the places where you have the greatest deficit. You can't fail it as an assessment and you won't have a perfect score because you would, you would have to be dead to get a perfect score <laughs> because you're using energy if you're alive. So there's always going to be parts that are up. There's always going to be parts that are down. Um, it's just to give you an idea of a kind of a snapshot of right now, these are the areas where you are feeling depleted. And so if you have, if you have not thought through what your restorative strategy is in that particular area of rest, then it's worth considering because often what I find is someone will say, I'm so tired, but I, I can't seem to feel better. It's because they're, they're might, they may be doing restorative activities, but it's not in the right area. So you can sleep all day long. If you're needing social rest, sleep is not going to solve that problem. <laughs> you're, you're going to be well, you know, well slept, but you're not going to be well rested as it relates to social energy. Absolutely. And I think that is so important this point of we can like often this for people who are like, Oh, I actually slept. Okay. But I'm fatigued. Like, I think that's really look into this, do this quiz and see what areas are the ones where you could give yourself a little more support. Um, what areas I did mine. And I had, I think like three areas that were, that were lower where I should be. Should I, I should be balancing myself more. Is there something where you recommend, do you go by points in terms of priority? Because I'm assuming, like for me, I wouldn't do everything all at once. I would like to pick one and go slowly, maybe. Yes, 
I always say pick the, I don't try to do all seven. That's stressful just to think about. And you're already doing some of them. You, you have to be, to be functional. Yeah. And so I always say pick the one that has the highest level of deficit, the one with the highest score, mm -hmm. pick that one and, and begin there and start thinking about first thinking about how am I using energy in this area? Because sometimes we don't even recognize, you know, especially I, I find this most often as it relates to creative rest, mm -hmm. someone will come and their creative rest will be fairly high and they'll say, I'm not a creative, I'm not an artist or a musician or, <laughs> you know, what all these things we think of when we think about creatives, but the person might be an entrepreneur. Well, your entire career is creative because you're <laughs> having to, consistently innovate and think outside of the box. And so we have to kind of take a step back and evaluate each type of rest to see how we're using that energy. And then think about what are the ways that I can actually pour back into that specific area. And is it because you give examples of what are ideas to kind of fill your cup, like get that deficit to become smaller. Um, so I guess we will pick one that like appeals to the person, right? That's for me, that's how I would do it. Do the one that looks at me most and then try that. Um, I guess it is because I do, I say that often with wind down routines, people are like, I don't like baths. I hate lavender. I'm just picking things now. I'm like, yeah, then don't do them. Like do something that actually doesn't cause you stress. Yeah, there's, and that's the thing, you know, in my book, Sacred Rest, I mentioned for each type of rest, I mentioned what it looks like to have a deficit to help people identify, oh, I, I do have that, maybe, you know, and start thinking about the deficits. And then I give like three or four examples of things they could do. I try to vary up the examples, but the examples are endless. I mean, that's actually what the work we do at our company restores us. The examples are endless. And so one of the things we love doing is going inside of an organization, looking at the makeup of the organization because the examples can be tailored to how the company already does business. You know, you don't want to necessarily have to have people always changing their routine. How can we take, and that's the, the part of, of applying the restorative activity on top of habits you're already doing. So if I'm looking at a, or working with a company and they already have a habit that, you know, every Friday we do you know, a town hall meeting or whatever it is, you know, something that they already have in place. What is something we can add into what they're already doing? So it's just becomes part of the routine they already have. And I think we have to look at that for our own lives. And so, we, you know, each person's completely different. It requires kind of trying a couple of things, seeing what works for you, what doesn't work for you. Um, but I think the main thing is finding the the activity or the restorative process that when you do it, you can feel a change in that area. You feel that that something has been poured into, added to the energy you have in that area. Right. Thank you so much. This was a great conversation. Is there anything else you would like to add to the topic before we go to where people can find you? Um, no, I think that the main thing I would just kind of drive home is that rest is not simply about cessation. I think that's the misconception that we have. Rest is just about stopping. Um, you know, I oftentimes relate it to as a physician, if someone comes into my medical practice bleeding and I have the nurse suture them up, I've stopped the bleeding, but have I actually restored them? 
I could still send them out anemic. And so it's the very same thing when you stop on the weekend and you're just doing your, you know, Netflix and chill or whatever you stopped, but did you restore? And that's the mindset shift we need people to make that rest is a restorative process. Find what pours back into you and then make space in your life to enjoy it. Right. Thank you so much. And where can people go to learn more about you, the types of rests, how to restore themselves? Yes. Well, all this information is from my book, Sacred Rest, Recover Your Life, Renew Your Energy, Restore Your Sanity. And it's available at all the normal places, uh, Books A Million, Barnes & Noble, Amazon. Um, and then my main website is drdaltonsmith.com, just drdaltonsmith.com. And there you can get the TED, uh, the TED talk and the different information about my company as well. Great. Thank you so much for being here today. Everybody go take that quiz. It's really good. And it's going to give you a lot of insights and things to reflect about just also from seeing the questions. I think it already like gives you some ideas. Um, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being here. And we're looking forward to seeing you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sleep Like a Boss podcast with me, Anika Carroll. Be sure to follow and listen wherever you get your podcasts. We also invite you to play the game of sleep with us, if you haven't done so, at sleeplikeaboss.com. This podcast is for informational purposes only. We hope you enjoyed the episode. And until next time, and to a good night's sleep.